For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Piona Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. And you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very marked in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7pm. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4pm. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm so glad to be here. You know, right from the beginning, I discovered that some of the people, thank you, before I do that, can I just give God thanks for the praise and worship team here at Christ Faith Tabernacle? You honor God with your hard work. And you bless me. You bless everybody that comes into the house. I think sometimes you need to know that the labor of your heart and the time that you invest in the talents and the, and the spiritual anointings that God has given you, don't go without His knowledge or His approval. One of the first things that the Lord asked me to do, well, the very first thing was to set the chairs out uh, in the rented hall in which uh, I was paying for. I wasn't involved in ministry, but the thing I could do at that time was to pay for the hall for the man of God. And uh, at that time, a lot of... We have, do you remember Deptford Hall, man of God? All right, so at that time he was resentful of even opening the hall up to hold the meeting for us. And uh, then he had to set the chairs out. Well, that was my job. I used to set the chairs out. And then I got uh, promoted uh, to praise and worship leader. (laughs) So I wasn't much of a singer, but I made a joyful noise under the Lord. But you certainly have excelled, and you do far more than that. You open the windows of heaven, and on behalf of the Holy Spirit and the unction that you bring in, God bless you, each and every one, and thank you for what you do. Hallelujah. Tonight I'm going to be talking about hearing the voice of God in the last days. So, of course, your apostle was right on Mark when he began to speak to you about what the Lord was showing him for tonight's ministry. I shared with the man of God, please be seated, please be seated. And I don't know, you can be dismissed if you wish to be, uh, unless you want to stand there for the next you know, few minutes. Hallelujah. I'd like you to enjoy yourself. I intend to have fun tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. 
There are things that I do which I consider to be work. When the Lord chooses to use me, I don't consider that to be work. This is fun. Hallelujah. I think I've just about unpacked everything that happens to be in this bag. If you are not here at this morning's uh, meetings uh, to hear the other anointed guests that uh, Apostle uh, Williams and uh, Pastor Omar have invited here, I would suggest that you take time to purchase the tapes. That way you'll get continuity of the flow of the Holy Spirit. I think it's important for you to understand that it's important, I think, for you to understand this point, that to get the flow of what the Spirit of God is doing, it's difficult sometimes to come in in the middle or at the end of what God is doing. And so in order for you to catch up, so to speak, and get with the program, you can do so by picking up the media and listening to that and getting that into your spirit so that you can uh, join in everything that God is doing without missing any of it. I'll make a couple of quick announcements, if I may, before I ask the Holy Spirit to bring a quickening on the entire congregation tonight and those of you who may be special visitors and guests. This coming Sunday, the Spirit of God has already placed it upon Apostle William's heart to celebrate the 25th Silver Jubilee of Christ's Faith Tabernacle. I think already we have shared that my history with Reverend Williams and Omar Williams goes back some time. But this celebration in this wonderful auditorium that has been given to them in the service of the Lord has reached a climax with the 25th Jubilee service. Tonight, I shared with them that for some reason, the Holy Spirit flipped my switch this morning. And let me explain that to you. God uses people, uses men, uses women. But the timing of His use is something most people don't recognize. And when I say he flipped my switch, there are times that God says, I want to use you beginning now. And that means that there is a requirement of you to press in to the Spirit of God, to dedicate, sanctify yourself, spend time in prayer and in study of the Word, and then leave the direction in which you go up to the Holy Spirit, knowing that he desires to do that. All you need to do is create the atmosphere in your heart and oftentimes in the environment to allow God to do that. I call it, right from the beginning, I've called that an LZ or a landing zone. I like to create an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit is able to move into, which means I don't pollute that with noisy things, TVs or jackhammers or children running around or animals barking. I'll try to separate myself. Scripture sometimes refers to it as a closet. So when I was in that quiet place this morning and then I came into the auditorium the Lord put it under my heart to discuss what you can do to prepare yourself for the work of the ministry and specifically in the last days. By signifying by your hand how many people believe in the heart and know in their heart, according to the prophetic scriptures, that we are in the end times or the last of the last days. How many believe that? Now, if we believe that, and scripture certainly classifies it as such, the number seven meaning divine number of completion, 
we are now in, if you believe as I do, that the chronological numbering of the churches, we are now in the seventh church age or the Laodicean age. I am not going to minister on that, although I would like to, because the first three chapters of the book of Revelation deal specifically with the church. After the, chapter, after the third chapter of God's dealing directly with the church, we move into the future and the interaction of other factors, including the Antichrist and so forth and so on. But we're not going to put any intention to that tonight specifically because God's focus, as far as I'm concerned, is the preparation of the body of Christ and in specifically the timing for those people who have been challenged in their communication with God, hearing the voice of God, which is what I'm going to be talking about tonight, and it's, it's timing in relation to the latter day. One thing for sure is that the Holy Spirit does not want to leave any person who has known Him hanging in the lurch. If there is a smoking flax, Jesus said He would not leave that smoking candle that has an ember of life left in it without the potential of being breathed upon by His Spirit to reignite it into life. And I shared the other day that the Spirit of God was reminding me that with a plant that I had, I won't go into the story, but it's on one of the tapes, one of my staff gave me a lemon tree that I thought had been killed by the frost. And like most people, I'm not much of a gardener, I don't have a green thumb, but I scraped away the bark to see if it was in fact dead. I scraped away the branch, the branch and I saw green beneath the bark, which tells me that there's still life. And as I related the story, the Holy Spirit shared with me that that's exactly what He's doing in the lives of men and women who think they're dead to the things of God. They started off bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and they were bearing fruit for the Lord, but they've gone through some very difficult seasons. They've gone through some summers and some autumns and now they've hit a winter in their life. And it seems like the affairs of this world have robbed them of their joy in the Lord. You may have had some interactions in churches that have been difficult for you. Perhaps you thought you'd found your man or your woman of God. And for whatever reason, they took more from you than they added. Sometimes you may have found yourself around a new grouping of friends which you, you believed had all the trappings of friends in the ministry or friends that would encourage you in your relationship with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. But you were let down. And I think right now what we can tell you is that prior to the Lord's return, there is not one believer who has a spark of life in them that is not going to be breathed upon in a fresh way by God. If He has sent you to a house like Christ's faith tabernacle, and I don't say that lightly, there's a lot of places that I would not send people to go, not because I have an animosity toward any particular ministry, but if I'm going to send anybody anywhere, I want to make sure that they're going to find life there when they get there. There are a lot of people that go to places and take life from them. But right now there is a division taking place. The separating of the sheep from the goats is of biblical significance. But there are a lot of folks who believe they're goats and they're not. There are a lot of people. There's a, there's a, a graphic that I brought with me. And uh, if, if we can find it in time, I'm going to ask if the video department will put it up for you. And it shows a picture because a picture is often worth a thousand words. It's like a video parable. And it's a picture of a very healthy-looking goat leading ahead of a bunch of very healthy-looking sheep. And I did an explanation on it, and that particular goat is called a Judas goat. 
and they use them often in the Middle East. They are goats which are trained to interact with the sheep. And normally, of course, sheep and goats would not get on, but they raise these baby goats amongst the sheep, and the sheep adopt them and consider them as one of their own. And the tricky part is that as this goat begins to grow amongst the sheep, the owners of the goat train the sheep to follow the goat. And you say, well, how does that happen? The way goats are naturally created, they have leadership skills more than the sheep do. There's a reason that sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need somebody to follow. Goats naturally are independent and are quickly trained to be leaders. And so the shepherd will take the goat and train the goat to lead the sheep ultimately to the slaughterhouse. And as I read these stories, I discovered to my sadness that when it's time for the slaughter season, they will use this Judas goat to lead the sheep to the slaughter. And when the goat reaches the slaughterhouse, the goat is trained to jump the fence and save himself from the execution. When I read that story, the Holy Spirit said to me, in these last days there are many sheep who fail to be able to recognize that the one whom they are following is not a lamb or a shepherd of God's training or God's choosing, but rather a Judas who is able to deceive the sheep and lead them to their destruction. These are indeed the false prophets, the false teachers, and the false ambassadors of the kingdom. So when you see this photograph, it will help visualize to you the care that must be taken when you choose somebody to listen to, somebody to follow, and somebody to call daddy. Amen? I want to work with you tonight, so I'm going to ask you to treat me as your friend. I want to be down there with you. I want to be in your hearts. I want to be in your ears. And I want as much as possible to help you. That's the only reason I came. I will come any time your overseer asks me to come. For one reason. I love him. I love his wife. I love his heart. I love his spirit. And I love his honesty. He hasn't changed very much in all the time that I've known him. This coming Sunday, the 25th Jubilee anniversary, the silver anniversary of Christ Faith Tabernacle. I was praying this afternoon about that. And with your permission, this is what the Lord told me. This is going to be, by declaration, a day of visitation and anointing for advance. It will be a day of anointing of by oil. It will be a declaration. It will be an anointing time of declaration, a day of visitation, which means there's going to be an outpouring of the presence and the anointings of God here for a specific purpose. And so the message that I'm going to share today by the grace of God and under his unction, as I request it in just a minute by prayer and your agreement, is to prepare your hearts to receive something of a divine nature. I believe that in these last days, most of what God is going to do internally in the hearts of men and women who want to be ready for his soon coming return 
is not altogether going to be an impartation by teaching. Teaching is important. But the impartation of apostolic and, and, and the impartation, I'm going to use the word, the impartation of the apostle and the prophet, rather than just saying prophetic impartation, because that can include the gift of prophecy. And the prophet has to operate in a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and specifically discerning a spirit. He'll have to be able to know what God is telling him about the root structure of the people that God wants to instruct. The root structure so that he can instruct. It's one thing to look at the flowers and the fruit. It's another thing to look at the structure of the of the connection of that person with the vine, who is Jesus Christ. But when there is a, an issue with the connection of the person to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit, we must get to the root of the problem. When there was a problem, Jesus always went to the root. When Jesus spoke to the tree and looked and said, that tree, there is no fruit on there, he was referring, of course, metaphorically to, to Israel and said, I've come these three and a half years and not found any fruit on you. And he said, because of that, there is no necessity for you. And people will say, well, it's because he was hungry. Mm. He was hungry to see fruit, not necessary to satisfy his natural hunger, or that may have been part of it. He wanted to see spiritual increase. He wanted to see receptivity from his own people. So he spoke to the tree. And in the next morning when they came back, this is not the message, I'm just prepping you. When they came back the morning, the disciples were amazed. Now, you know the story because you're a well-taught people. They were amazed and said, Master, the tree has dried up from the root. And Jesus, of course, referred them to the spiritual principle that you're amazed because of this happened. But he said, this is, can be applied to any major problem in your life. For if you shall say unto this mountain, pointing to a specific physical or geographical uh, mountain, if you say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea of Galilee, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say shall come to pass, it shall obey thee. So the power of faith was being demonstrated. So I want to prepare the power of faith in your heart tonight so that when you come for that jubilee service and you want your breakthrough, you want your time of visitation to come to pass, it's not me that's going to give it to you. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to impart it into a heart that is ready so that he'll be able to see in you a vessel which is prepared and you will be as many as were prepared by the Lord when the question was asked, believe ye, I am able to do this and you'll be able to answer back with faith, yea, Lord. Amen. Amen. And so whatever it is that's hindering you from hearing God, will be dealt with. All I'm going to be doing tonight is laying a foundation. Can you say amen to me? Amen. So this house, Christ Faith Tabernacle, is going to become three things in expansion. It's going to be a broadened version of God's house. It's going to be an expanded version of your house. And it's going to be an increased version of the house of Apostle Alfred and Omar Williams. This house is due for increase. It's due for expansion. And if that is going to happen, I'm not talking simply about them working harder. I'm talking about you being more fruitful. Amen. All right. So having said that to you, I'm going to do something which I don't normally do, but I have asked the man of God if I have his okay to do it. There are a couple of things that folks have asked me if they can get access to material. And I do have two things to share with you. 
igochurch.com now has an app which you can get by logging into um, the App Store on Apple if you happen to have an Apple phone and download it. It's got a lot of free stuff on there. Uh, it's got a lot of MP3s that you can download on there for a buck ninety-nine, and also you can purchase some books as well on Amazon.com. Included in those, of course, are some things that I've written very simply, which is easy, easy because I'm a little bit simple myself. And the books are very easy to understand. I've done one here called The Inner Voice of the Deceiver, which I got by listening one day and reading the scripture that Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, but the voice of another they will not follow. So I recognize pretty quickly, even though I'm a bit slow sometimes, that if they can hear the voice of another, if they can avoid following another voice, there must be other voices. So I wrote a book on it and found that most people really don't need to have ugly, demon-possessed people to lead them astray, they lead themselves astray. And they listen to the wrong voice thinking that it's God. I want to help you understand that tonight what we're going to be talking about is that there is a time and a season in which God will speak to you. Sometimes we're going to discover that we hear the voice of God and we follow and the direction of the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Then we go through a dry season and we hear other voices. But when it becomes critical, as it is right now, when we're approaching the latter day, and it's important for us to hear accurately, the Holy Spirit begins to stir things up in us, which brings clarity to us. And I think the faithfulness of God is something that we need to understand will break through what many people are experiencing now, which is confusion. So I'm going to give us a couple of scriptures that we can look at. The Destiny Robbers is another one. So check out the website. I've asked Apostle if he will please give me a link to one of his websites or a page on IGO website, which is igochurch.com. And that way you can keep track of what we're doing and at the same time we can keep track of what you're doing. You say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I don't need you to stand. Just stand inside your heart. Father, in this house and this tabernacle, Lord God, that you've provided for your people, I pray tonight, Father, that there will be an open heaven above us. And that, Lord, that you'll have mercy upon us, for, Father, without you we are blind and unable to find our way and are stumbling. We are blind and miserable and naked, Father, and let your Holy Spirit lead us and shows us the way. We have ability, Father, to hear you on occasion, but, Father, we desire with all of our heart to make no further mistakes if that's at all possible, and it is if we can hear your voice. So tonight, Father, knowing that it's your desire that we move in revelation, understanding and knowledge, that we don't have to labor in our mistakes any longer than it takes for you to hear the voice of the Spirit of God that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. But tonight, Father, you will empower us and equip us to both have the open heart and the ability to translate, Father God, what you're going to say to us. And that, Lord, tonight you'll be gracious toward me, your servant, and that you'll empower me to empower your people. And that, Lord God, even tonight you will again cause my heart to beat with your heart. And that my mind will synchronize with the mind of Christ. And that the words that I speak, Father, will be pleasing in your sight because they will be your words. And in the words of the Master, Father, you said, I do nothing unless my Father shows me what to do. So help us hear the same thing as God is speaking to us tonight. 
And we respectfully request, Father God, that nothing be said or done that doesn't glorify Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, in whose name we pray and all the saints of the Lord said, Hallelujah. Amen. So I might ask now if the, if the video department would be kind enough to put this scriptures up on the screen. I have two scriptures that I'm going to use primarily and I'll get some others later on. The first scripture is found in the book of Isaiah. I'm going to refer to the prophets. I wonder why. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, 40 and verses 1 through 5. And 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 and then verse 9. And if you want to put a title to it, if that's important, then you can put the title, The Voice of God in the Last Days. Isaiah 40, 1 through 5. If we could get that up on the board for me, that would be great. Can you read this for me? Because otherwise I'm going to be turning around my neck and someone's going to have to pray for it so it gets healed. Can you read that for me? Just all together? Let's do it. Let's do it in synchronization because, you know, when two or more are gathered together, if we get four, five, six hundred, eight hundred people all saying the same thing at the same time, it scares the hell out of the devil. You ready? One, two, three. Hit it. Okay, stop right there. What I'd like you to do is switch from the NIV and let me go to the inspired version, (laughs) the King James Version, only because that's the version that I've used since I got saved at the tender age of 29. One of my friends, and I won't say it because he used to call it another name, NIV, and I'm not going to do that. King James Version, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, of course, the capital city of Israel, and I would say that's the heart of God, all right? As we're going to talk metaphorically. When you get around a prophet, a lot of times he's going to speak parabolically. He's going to, he's going to speak in stories, but we should know that if we talk about Israel, we are talking metaphorically about the church, amen? The heartbeat of God. So when I talk about Jerusalem, we're talking about the centerpiece of God's crown jewel, Amen. Even though we understand now the crown jewel is the body of Christ. Yes? Yes? So when we talk about Jerusalem, we're focusing in now on the heartbeat of God because God loves Israel. Even though Israel is in rebellion, the church is not, but Israel is, we still recognize that the Jewish nation and the church of Jesus Christ will eventually become brothers. Amen? All right. Now understand that I was born in 1948. I didn't get saved till I was 29 years age. I didn't get saved in a church. I invited Christ into my heart in a bar room. So don't let people tell you that the Spirit of God is not hovering over the waters of the deep, even in dark places. The people that need to get saved are not always in churches. Amen. And I'm not encouraging people to go hovering around in dark places. I'm just telling you that there are people in dark places who need to get saved. So you can encourage them when they're in the light that when they go back into the dark places, remember what you've told them in the light. Amen? Because when they're in the dark places, they can always remember what you told them in the light that they may be in the light. All right. So it says, And tell them, cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. The church needs to know that. People need to know that. The body of Christ, when they're under oppression, need to know that your sins are forgiven. You may not have asked lately, 
But the Lord says that your sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ, His name continuously forgives sin. This says the blood of Jesus Christ has lost none of its power. Christians go on sometimes for months, even years, without calling upon the name of the Lord as their Savior. You've got to remember that sin can, pound, sin can compound and that the blood of Jesus Christ needs to be applied to sin. And immediately it says that He is just and faithful to forgive your sin. In the original Greek, to continue, continuously forgive your sin as you ask. He is just and faithful. So remember that next time that you make a mistake. If you repent and ask Him to forgive, He will forgive. If you feel guilty or you forget to remind yourself that God is faithful and you don't ask, your sins will mount up against you and the enemy will use that to place guilt upon you. Are you out there? You can't afford to do what you need to do in these last days and allow the enemy to pile up weight upon your back because once that builds up, you will not be a witness to him. Warfare is accomplished that her iniquity is pardoned for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It's been paid for. The Lord paid for it. Next verse, please. Read it with me. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Read that one more time. Read that one more time. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Make a straight path. It's a quotation that, of course, we find back again referring to the spirit of Elijah operating through John the Baptist. That same spirit is going to come back again, is it not? And I shared the other night that that's a threefold operation that was originally in uh, uh, Isaiah, excuse me, originally in Elijah, came back again in John the Baptist. And as we read that, Jesus said, if you knew or understand what I said, he has already come. Right? We know that it was John the Baptist. And then if we go back to Malachi chapter 4, look it up for yourself and you should be writing this stuff down. Amen? Because it's going to set you free. If you get back to Malachi 4, it says the original spirit upon Elijah was to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Yes? And in this dispensation prior to the Lord's return, the spirit of Elijah is going to be poured out upon the body of Christ. For what purpose? To turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Why? Because the fathers have become corrupt. You're fortunate you don't have a corrupt father. But there are many who have lost their way and forgotten that they themselves required a savior. We have found religion, Hollywood, and political corruptness. Corruption has entered into the church and she has lost her passion for the Lord. She has become sold out. One way I would like to put it is she has become uh, uh, passionless when it comes to salvation. She has become, if you like, the lentil, the lentil soup or the lentil stew which caused uh, uh, the, the selling of the birthright uh, that, that eventually Jacob offered to his brother. Are you listening to me? You were anointed with a birthright. You were anointed with a birthright and many of them have sold out because of material goods. They've allowed the original instruction to the church to be a holy people, to be taken away from them. Hollywood's come in and the teaching and the ministration of the gospel has been so perverted that now the American church has lost most of its power. People go to have a club now and there's no power in there because it's become Hollywoodized. You would say that hasn't happened generally. Yes, it has happened generally. The fact that there are still ministrations that are being raised up that are sharp two-edged swords is because there's an influence that is rotating around the apostle and the prophet that have been held faithful and held accountable by God. They've been sent from the wilderness back into the body of Christ. They're not particularly liked by the residential churches. 
They're not welcomed by them. They don't like them because they remind them of what they should be. We're not in the business of bringing judgments or accusation. We're simply in the business of promoting Jesus Christ, the man, the son of the living God and the man. And it reminds them of their failures. But they are not going to be amongst the crowd of people that are going to find themselves around the marriage supper of the Lamb. And they need to be told that to give them chance to repent before the Lord and the trump sounds. I'm glad you all agree with me. Listen to the next statement here, saints. Read it for me. After this one. Next verse 4, please. And every valley shall be exalted. Come on, head, you do it. All together, and the crooked shall be made straight. Glory to God. And the rough places made plain. Next verse, please. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Oh, I like that a whole bunch. Now I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 3, please, verses 1 through 4. 1 Samuel chapter... Can I drink some of this water under here? I think I will do that. I've got to make sure that I don't drink the oil. I got it. It's all cool. Don't worry. I don't need a cup. I'll just drink it straight out of the bottle. Are you okay with that? I'm absolutely okay with that. Are you okay with that? Awesome. Hallelujah. Cheers. Now, here we have... I know you've seen these stories before, but we're doing that just because we're supposed to read Scripture. The boy Samuel. What and who was Samuel destined by God to be? What office did he... Right, okay. He was a boy dedicated from his youth. He had a destiny to fulfill. The destiny... I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you now and really put your spiritual hats on. He had a destiny to fulfill, but while he was a boy, he was unable to do anything about it. Is that correct? But his mother, being a woman of spiritual insight and direction, made sure that he was put together with a man that could hopefully give him the right kind of leadership. Samuel was ordained of God to be a prophet. Understand, if you would, that the man whom she was, he was put with by his mother was not a prophet. He was a priest. And the priest, Eli, was corrupt. Did the corruption of the priest stop God from bringing Samuel forth into his office? Why not? Because, because God protected Samuel. What you've got to understand is your divine calling is protected by God when it's your time to come into your calling. Now, that principle goes all through the Scriptures, and I'm going to share some of them with you to help you understand this for this purpose, beloved, that no matter how bad you think you've dropped, fallen, no matter how low you may have gone, no matter how sinful you may have dropped out of, the calling that is on your life remains intact you may have fallen and you may have drifted into sin, but through all of that, God remains faithful. Are you listening to me? The lie of the devil is that you can never redeem yourself, and that part of it's true, but you have a redeemer. And the time in which God begins to stir up life again in you, 
He will give you sufficient time to repent and sufficient time to reestablish yourself in the callings and the, and the diligences of God. One scripture that kept me going for years is the callings. You want to finish that scripture for me? Come on, don't be shy now when it comes to the Word of God. Are without? Very good. So therefore I know that once God has called or once God has given me giftings, those callings and giftings are without repentance. It helps us understand why people who have been faithful in one point of their life continue and can continue to operate in their gifts and callings. Now, they may not be able to attract people the way they did. Their giftings and callings may eventually get perverted and to the point where people uh, uh, understand it and are drawn away from it. But at the same time, God is faithful. When you pay the price, those giftings and callings that God gives you, He doesn't take back. And for the most part, that's very encouraging for people who love the Lord and need a space to repent. Yes? You all out there? Help me out now because I can't see most of you. So if, 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 if you need help, put your hand and wave at me and I'll continue to repeat things. All right. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. We're going to verse 4 and then we'll skip to verse 9. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Why was it rare? Because the priests and the ministers weren't doing their job. We find, of course, later on as we read it, and I'm sure you've been taught this, that the light in the house of God was going out. Eli had become fat and useless and he wasn't even able to minister effectively to his own sons, Hophna and Phinehas, who were sleeping with women in the congregation and stealing money. And, of course, we don't see that happening very much today in the church, do we? <laughs> Was God displeased with this? Absolutely. And eventually we find not only was the light going out, but he was sitting around on his throne one day and decided that he was going to rocked backwards and forwards, and he was so overweight and out of shape spiritually as well as physically, he leaned back a bit too far and fell backwards and broke his neck, snapped his neck. Now, before all this happens, of course, God wanted to make sure that this ministry, of which is represented here in this house tonight, there are apostles and there are prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers in this auditorium tonight. There will be more here tomorrow. There will be more added on the Lord's day. But I will tell you this, that if I can trust God to use me tonight clearly enough to be able to impart what I'm going to impart into you tonight, that on, on Sunday, when this anointing service takes place, those of you who were in danger of losing that calling and that office ability will have it reinstated on Sunday. Amen. That's the good news. Somebody will say, that's for me. Altogether, that's for me. If you really didn't have a desire in your heart to be used of God, doubtful he would even have sent you in here. I've changed because of Apostles' encouragement. I've changed the name of the ministry legally from International Gospel Outreach Family Church. I've changed it to International Gospel Outreach Church because we have to have the word church there for its legal entity, 501c3 in the United States. It's a charity trust here, I presume. And I've added ministry training center. And I've done that because when people come in here, they need to know this is not just a warm and fuzzy little tweak your cheek church. When they come in here, I am going to give them meat to chew. I'm going to hold them, by God's grace, accountable for their callings. I can prophetically decree and declare over them what they are called to be. 
when they come here, they can't play games and they can't hide. Are you listening to me? I give them time to make mistakes because I made a whole bunch of them. And so when they come in sometimes, I'll walk up to them, even as visitors, say, welcome here today, glad to have you. Do you know there's a calling of God on your life? No. And then a few weeks later, they'll say to me, what is the call of man of God? I said, you're called to be a teacher pastor. Or you're called to be the office of an evangelist. Or you're called to be a helper. Or you're called in the administration of gifts or gifts of healings or whatever it might be, if I'm sure of it. And then you see them going through the struggles that many of you are going through. And that's what gives me the inclination that in these last days, when the church, according to uh, uh, the ministration in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, toward the end of the chapter, that we, as a body of Christ, have missed the mark. That we, are, we think we have need of nothing, but we are wretched and miserable and blind and naked. And we need to buy the golden oil of the Holy Spirit. We need to get back on track. We need to make a stand. We need to remove ourselves from the houses of the ungodly. Are you all out there? We need to know how to do that. Because many of us have been lulled to sleep. We're sitting under false prophets and false teachers, and false ministrations who have made us feel as if we're in good shape. But in our heart, we know that we're, we're missing something of spiritual and eternal value. And God now is asking us, prepare yourselves. And that's what we're starting on tonight. Amen? All right. So it says, and the word of the Lord was precious because it wasn't, wasn't being ministered. There was no open vision. Next verse, please. Amen. And it came to pass that at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could no longer see. There was no prophetic unction in the house. Amen. Next verse, please. Verse 4. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Now, you know the story, but I want to skip to verse 9 anyhow. Verse 9, please. Thank you. Therefore... Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call unto thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now we find out that as we move on further down here, that Samuel, as he grew in the admonition of the Lord, found himself in a very difficult situation. Samuel found himself in a place where the Spirit of God began to speak to him, but he wasn't yet sure about the sound of the voice of God. And as he began to share with his mentor, the mentor knew enough to know what the sound of God was, and he presumed that God was speaking to the young boy. He wasn't too sure what God was saying, and he didn't really have any inclination to know what God was saying. But he said to the boy, go back and ask God again. Here am I, Lord. And so the boy eventually was spoken to by God, and the message that God gave him, the voice of the Lord to that young prophet, eventually was a message of rebuke to one who was previously his mentor. Now, I don't know how you would feel about that, but that would be very uncomfortable for me. But we are going to come into a time when those folks who have been sitting under false ministries are going to become sensitized to the Holy Spirit to the point where they may not have to, and I hope that they, if they are required of God to do it, that they'll do it with sensitivity, that they may have to approach the people they're under and say, I'm leaving this ministry. And we asked why they were leaving the ministry because I have shown, the Lord has shown me and spoken to me that the things that I'm learning here are in direct opposition to what I should have been taught. And once they start to be removed, then some of those men, like Eli's, the current Eli's that are out there and the false prophets, there is hope for some of them to repent. Can you say amen? All right. So in the last days, 
It says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and I want to throw that up in the Scriptures as well because I want you to see it, is it says, in times past, and I want you to see the Scriptures so that you can remember it in your own heart. Hebrews, it seems to work for, I don't know how you did that, Doctor, when they quoted the Scriptures that was up there for you much faster than me. They're uh, dragging me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, yeah, please. There we go. God, and we're going to look at the first three verses. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past under the fathers by the prophets. Would you agree? Next verse, please. And hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Next verse. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. You're going to get a lot of my back with your cameras today. Uh, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of his majesty on high. Now, we know that the prophets and the apostles are here to minister on behalf of the Lord. So why is it so important that we get to hear the voice of the Lord directly? Because in these times that we're talking about, the expansion of the house of God and the drawing in of the last days of men and women, the last days uh, influx, into the house of God, has to come more by the interaction of men and women reaching out and evangelizing, and more than that, operating supernaturally by the Spirit of God in what they say and what they do. There are a lot of men and women who right now are very timid about sharing the gospel. They're timid in doing it because they have no one-on-one clarity in hearing God. And a lot of that is because up to this point, there has not really been the unction of the Holy Spirit pressing and pushing them to get to that place. I believe that the times and the seasons of God, the the, the Word of God says that there is a time and a season for all things, Ecclesiastes, yes? And I believe that because as I look at the Scriptures, I find that in my own life, there is a time that we are called to sit under the mentoring and the auspices of another. In the 70s and the 80s, it was not uncommon for people to go to a church and stay there for years. Or if they stayed there and dropped out, nobody really cared too much. But now we're finding that they come into houses like this and they fall, not necessarily this house, because I don't know, you know what your turnover is like as far as what people coming in and actually going out. Because I know in an apostolic house, normally people are encouraged to start works or be involved in helping other works. I think the multiplication of the work is probably pretty good here. But in the United States, for example, people will come in and stay there as long as they're allowed to sit in a pew. They don't really work very hard at moving out and evangelizing. But what's going to start happening is, and you'll start seeing it happen in this more more and more, is that the Spirit of God is going to begin to drive folks into the harvest field after the Holy Spirit begins to stir in their hearts the necessity to become more sensitive to the voice of God. The timings and the seasons of God, as we're going to talk about in just a second, are going to start to escalate. Now, if we think, this morning I talked, and I encourage you to get that tape because it'll help you. The timings of God are very important. And I think once people realize that when they sense that God has got something for them to do other than get saved and, you know, have people to their house for coffee and tea and Bible studies, they'll realize that there is a time period there where they'll start to try to make things happen. And when you try to make things happen... You move out in, obviously, what we refer to in the Scriptures as moving out in the flesh. I did it, and I'm sure if you're honest, most of you did it. And we do it because we have the right motivation, but we have no spiritual awareness and oftentimes not much clarity in what we do or how we do it. 
So after we step out in the flesh and we don't have very much success, or we have somebody who means well but are kind of verging on ignorant, tell us that we are pastors, evangelists, or prophets or something because somehow you stumbled on the truth one day and presumed that it was going to be a gift of God. Uh, then you start giving words of knowledge, word of wisdom or something, or think that you called into a ministry and you start making giant mistakes and you start hurting people. Amen? And I was of a story of one person called up and said, uh, this particular minister said, you know, uh, uh, to a well-known minister, I'm called to be a prophet. And uh, this gentleman who was already in the office made the statement, oh, well, that's nice, good. Well, will you come and do a meeting for me and endorse me? And the man of God said, I can't do that for you. Only God can endorse you. I can't endorse you. Well, why not? You should come in that way. Everybody will know that, you know, I am what I say I am. Well, I can't do that. So the question was, well, God's already given me an agenda. Well, what agenda has he given you? Well, the agenda in this case was he's told me to go to Arizona and to discover the lost uh, gold mine of whatever that was down there. There was a, uh, you know, uh, what was the name? It was, it was, a, uh, it was a, uh, uh, a myth that there was a lost gold mine there anyway, that God is going to show me where this lost gold mine is and I'm going to take that money and then I'm going to use it to evangelize China. And uh, he said, oh, that's very interesting. Well, he said, here's a way that you'll know if it's really God. And if you're truly a prophet, it was actually a woman's prophetess, if you're really a prophetess, then you should go there to Arizona and find the lost mine of whatever it is and then tell everybody that you found the lost mine and get the gold out, tell all the newspapers and then you'll be endorsed and God will receive all the glory and you can go on and then you'll get the, the identification that you want. And then the woman said, well, what if I go there and it doesn't happen? And he said, well, then you need to realize that God is not on your heart and then you, you're a false prophet and then you should find a good church and sit down and shut up. But you see, we see that happening quite often. An apostle, and I'm sure his wife, have often sat down with people who mean well, but they're just crazy. Because they're more likely to, to launch out with false information than they are to ask the man of God, what do you think? Do you really want to know what I think? Yes, I do. Then sit down and prepare yourself for the truth. The truth is that you need to be taught and trained and when the timing is right, then you'll know. Now, let me give you some examples. And I gave one this morning of, of Moses. Now, Moses was, of course, right from the very beginning, and I won't spend much time because I did this morning. Moses, right from the beginning, had the hand of God on him. And, of course, during the time when Pharaoh was killing all the male babies, his mother had a desire to protect him for the Scripture says that he was a comely child. And in the Hebrew, that doesn't mean pretty, although he was a handsome child. It means there was something special about this child. Amen? And so she decided she was going to put him in a little basket and uh, float it out on the Nile. And, of course, during that time, it says in historic writings that the Nile was overrun by the Nile crocodiles because they were feasting themselves on little chubby Hebrew babies because they were throwing the babies into the Nile, and it's a horrible thought. Uh, and so that's how they were disposing of the male babies so that they, they could cut the populations down. And in order to make this little basket float, she would have covered it with pitch. And as I was reading that, the Holy Spirit reminded me the smell of bitumen, tar, would have driven away the crocodiles. And so as the enemy came up to try to destroy this little child, that would have been driven away. That was the first sign that God had something supernaturally going for this child. It was divinely protected. Many of you were divinely protected. I, sh I should have died three times. In fact, I drowned during a scuba accident. And as I said, I was born in 1948, the year Israel became a nation. My name is Robin. Uh, means light bringer. I found out about uh, eight years ago that I'm half Jewish. 
So I, I didn't know about any of that stuff. Not that it means anything to you. Uh, but the year 1948 means that in my generation, I may very well be alive. If I don't do something radically stupid and I please the Lord, I may very be alive when the Lord returns. Somebody shout amen. I hope so. Oh, what about the hope so? I pray so. Even better. You don't care so. Come on, work with me a little bit here, right? All right. Okay, I know where you're coming from then. All right. So, once that baby was found, here's the, here's the hand of God. And here's what you've got to understand about destination or predestination, which I, I happen to uh, uh, contend with. God will do everything that is necessary to keep you intact as long as you cooperate with him. Amen. I said Amen. So that baby drifted into the bulrushes, and of course, just about that time, surprise, surprise, Pharaoh's daughter was down there taking a bath, finds this little baby down there in the thingy, and drags the baby in to see if it was pretty or ugly. She figured out on her own mind it's got to be Hebrew, because there's no Egyptian babies floating down there. And God wanted to make sure that that baby was taken care of, so who does she have pick up but Pharaoh's daughter? Pharaoh's daughter has this, the, the, the staff pull the baby up, sees it as a nice-looking baby, and she said, the only problem in here is I'm not, mar- I'm not lactating. I, 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 we don't have any baby formula. We don't, haven't been invented yet. So we're going to need to find somebody to breastfeed the baby. So the nurse, the other says, oh, no problem. We can find somebody that is a mother that can breastfeed the baby. So who does she get but the baby's mother? So... Right from the beginning, God takes care of the child, raises up everything else. God looks after him. He becomes second only to Pharaoh, like a son to Pharaoh, raised up smart as can be, loaded with money, educated up the gazoo, right? And right at the end where he thinks, this is the way I'm going to live, he finds out he's a Hebrew. So what does he do? He decides he's going to rescue the whole Hebrew race, runs out there and kills two Egyptians and then finds himself in big trouble with God. Because God says, okay, now you found out the secret. You are going to deliver my people, but you're not going to do it by strangulating two of the, two of the uh, Egyptian people. So he drives him out and puts him to work looking after another man's sheep in the wilderness. All right? So 40 years he spends serving, looking after another man's sheep, a Jewish guy who has no care about his calling at all, until one day God says, it's time for you to be about my business. So how does he do it? He exposes him to the supernatural, ever-burning bush. And when he turns to look at that bush to reignite again his desire to know the God of the Hebrews, God speaks to him and says, remove the sandals from my... Now, please, here's what you've got to be careful of, ladies and gentlemen. Don't say in your minds, like so many of you just did, I know that scripture. You never know the scripture. You never know the scripture. If you carry that attitude with you, God will stop revealing things about the Scripture to you. Because Scripture never has a period after it. It stays open. Are you listening to me? As soon as God said, take off the shoes, right? I said, well, I know that Scripture. No, you don't. Because what God was doing was he was revealing to him, now is the time for you to start about the work of the business for me. And he came up with the excuses because during that 40 years, he had been all of his self-aggrandizing and his self-effort was beaten out of him. Can you say amen? All right. So let's move on a little bit here. I want to talk a little bit about uncertainty in the body of Christ because that's one thing that will work against you when it comes to having a, a certainty about hearing God. We're finding now because of the insecurity in the hearts of so many believers, their belief has turned into a mindset of understanding, but the faith factor has gone down the tubes. And I've got to tell you, quoting the Word of God doesn't mean you believe it. Are you listening? 
there's a reason this work has continued to go for 25, 30 years, whatever it is, is because they both believe in their calling and they believe in the God who called them. They've gone through ups, they've gone through downs, and we've had a lot of people who, who tell them what a wonderful job they've done. But in fact, to them, it's not a job, it's a life. Do you understand? And the reason they've been successful is because they've stayed faithful at it. It's not always a fun thing to serve God, but they stayed faithful. And because they've stayed faithful, they're being promoted. You're the same way. But there are times and seasons during which God will expect you to stay connected. But if you don't stay connected, if you don't stay connected, you have to learn by the, by the things that you suffer. Because that's how Jesus learned. He learned to be a son by obedience through the things that he suffered. And Jesus made the statement that before he returns the second time, you will understand that in this world you will suffer tribulation. And what I find in the body of Christ is, yeah, you can quote the Scripture, baby girls. You can quote the Scriptures, sons of God. But when it comes down to understanding its significance, you haven't got a clue. When you come into hard times, you get all bent out of shape. And if you're not careful, you give up on God. Maybe not come, coming into the service as you come, but you've lost your heart, you lose your zeal. You start praying a lot and quoting the Scriptures but you haven't really got to the point now where you trust that even if you don't hear God, He is still faithful. That comes after a period of time. But I will tell you this. The good news is that as we approach the seventh day, as we approach the the end of the Laodicean unction of the church, and I wish I had time to talk more about that because it's very exciting, God is going to pour out of His Spirit, especially the Spirit of Elisha, which is predominantly, vehemently against the false church, vehemently against the workings of Jezebel, vehemently against the things that are out of order now, and vehemently, increasingly against the dis- discouragement and the confusion which has been placed in the church by those who are not the servants of God, those who have given into the corruption and those who have given into the commercialization of the church. You are surrounded here by the commercialized church. We are surrounded here. Now, I hesitate to say this because people misunderstand it. But churches that have denominationally removed the power out of the church have been allowed to rampage their way since the Dark Ages, pretty much, and, and bring in the, the, uh, the misunderstandings that began right back in the Roman church when after Jesus had established his church, immediately the Romans began to mess the things up by uniting the sun God, S-U-N God, with the birthday of the S-O-N of God. When we understand that the the initial church started to uh, invoke itself and please itself by bringing in uh, uh, pagan festivals and pagan ideologies, and when at the Nicene uh, meetings, when certain prophets were brought in to try to bring order back into the uh, New Testament church, they were almost thrown out. They were almost stoned, many of them. And so we see out of that original aberration of the church, denominations began to spring up until each denomination as it sprang out became more and more uh, separated from the doctrines that made the church powerful in the first place. Until every time God brought a revelation in, they made a God out of the revelation. Every time a, a church was formed, a Baptist church made a God out of baptism. Every time order came into the church, the Presbyterians made a God out of the presbytery. Are you listening to me? So as the stars, and I, and I studied all through the seven ages, the first the stars that were mentioned in the book of Revelation, each of those stars were raised up by God. When you write a letter under the seven uh, uh, angels of the seven uh, churches of the New Testament, 
Jesus started off in the, the book of Revelation chapter 1 as walking around the seven churches of Asia, uh, around the seven stars, and he said, write a letter under the seven angels of the seven stars. So what we're talking about is writing letters to a supernatural being makes no sense at all. He was writing letters to the apostolic oversights of those seven churches. And the first oversight of the first church at Ephesus was no more, no less than the apostle Paul. Are you listening to me? He was an overseer of that particular church. And as such, he had a desire to make sure that Paul kept up his ministry. And as we see the progression through to the Laodicean church, now we find a church that has kept Jesus on the outside, Revelation 3.20. I shared that the other day. Behold, I stand at the door. I'm on the outside of the church that I founded. And I'm banging on the door saying, if you let me in, I'll revitalize you again. I'll sup with you. I'll recreate covenant. But you won't even let me into my own church. That's how bad it's got. People want to act like prophets and apostles, but they're not willing to pay the price to fall in love with the Lord who founded the church. You all want to see signs and wonders following. I love to see that. I love to see it. But we are, we are dealing in the most part, perhaps not in this house of God, but certainly in the most part with the people who have lost their zeal for God. And when I come in, there's been a couple of occasions when I've almost, I've almost left out of the body because people come in and they fall asleep in the front row when the Holy Ghost just healed a cripple right there in front of them. And it breaks my heart. I've got, a, I've got a victory wall in the back now. I've got men of God in here. Bishop Reed and others I know have been, along with the other men of God here, have seen signs and wonders and miracles, not just in this land but in foreign lands. You've seen walking sticks. I've, I've walked and ministered along with T.L. Osborne. I've seen the signs, seen the wonders, and I've seen, the, I've seen the, 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 the stress and the damage that it's done to the physical bodies of these men. But I never until recently saw people who were right in the front looking at a floor show and watching the Holy Spirit minister to a sick baby, a spina bifida baby got healed right in front of him, and people asleep on the front row. It was all I could do to stop leaping in there and throwing them out by their head. Now you laugh, but to me that's grieving. And so I'm here today to tell you that God in His grace and mercy is going to pour out a final outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Joel 2.28, next to... And I behold, says the Lord, I've seen all that and I will pour out my Spirit upon those who are worthy of it and those who are not. For indeed the blood of the Lord shall still be spread around this globe and it shall still revive those who are revivable. And my Spirit shall be poured out upon the flesh, those who are worthy and those who are unworthy, those who have known me and those who have not worthy. For the wedding supper shall soon be prepared, saith the Lord, and the door shall be opened and the clouds shall part and my Son shall indeed return and the supper shall be prepared, and the table shall be set, and my blood shall still wash away sins, but then the door that is open now shall be closed, and those who shall be prepared will be repaired, and those who turn their back on the blood, don't clap, listen, those who turn their back on my son will be turned away. Even has that word been declared, saith the Lord, for I will make that spirit available unto them, and those who say they have no oil, is not by word declare that I will give them time, but they shall turn and they shall return and they shall go back to receive the oil. But knoweth in my word it says they will not have time to return and to buy the oil. That's why I am sending forth my apostles and my prophets saying, Receive it now while there is still the hour and the time to do so. Receive it now, saith the Lord, for I am coming quickly. Receive it now because the degradation of this world system is even 
now being rotten. It's coming apart now, saith God. And the stench of it is coming up before my nostrils. But that same stench I am finding in the places that call themselves mine. I am requiring of them, saith the Lord. And you will see the forces of darkness being peeled back and they will be confronted by my servants and they will find themselves being confronted by those who are my ministers of fire and they shall be destroyed. And those who have opportunity to come back will certainly now have opportunity. But the time is coming when the door will close. So now, saith the Lord, look up for your redemption draweth nigh and turn not away again for the hour is growing short where that opportunity shall no longer be offered. I tell you, saints, don't clap, just listen. Thank you, but don't clap. This is a time for us to be about our Father's business. I tell you, I wasted 29 years, and I have nothing to be proud about. If I do anything in these last days, for God's sake, let it be to win souls. I see more to disappoint me than I do to encourage me. The very ones that call me brother are the same ones that judge you behind your back. They say they encourage you and they say they enjoy watching you burn. They say we love to watch you move in the spirit. And behind your back they call you a false. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 8. Can we put that up on the screen please? My brother and sister who is ever working in the back there. You've seen nothing yet. You're going to see a time when hundreds of people are going to get saved and healed in the one time. You're going to see time... Back in the 70s and the 80s, do you remember the time, bishops, apostle, when in San Diego, California, I was a young kid, stupid, arrogant, and that's why today I know God will use an arrogant donkey. <laughs> do you realize Do you realize when it talks about Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, he was born in the summer along with all the other lambs? He was in a, he was in a lamb's crib. And when I think about it the other day, the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, regarding your destiny... People say that, you know, they have to find their destiny. Don't you realize he said the lamb was led to the slaughter? He was led to Calvary. So he said, in these last days, I will lead my lambs to their destiny. We don't have to sweat that. We just have to be willing to follow the Lord, yeah? I got off track. I got off track. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound... Who shall prepare himself for the battle? The Holy Spirit spoke that to me. I didn't quite understand what he was saying until I realized I got to verse 10. Look at verse 10, the Apostle Paul talking about the uncertain sound. The uncertain sound in battle is the sound of the trump. To the Jewish, the sound of the shofar was the call to battle. Was it not? Am I boring you? The sound of the shofar was the call to battle. When they heard the sound of the shofar, it was their direction their instruction, and their release to go to battle. However, if they didn't hear the sound of the shofar clearly, it didn't, instead of releasing them to battle, it caused them to be confused. There had to be, A, a person who knew how to blow the shofar, and many of you have been to Israel, you should encourage your man of God sometimes to um, arrange a trip for you to go, while you still can. Uh, To blow the shofar is not an easy thing. It takes a good set of chops and a good set of lungs. And when it's blown, the ram's horn, when it's blown, uh, it's, it's quite something. If it's blown incorrectly, it's a confusing sound. What Paul was saying there simply is, if we have the sound that are made by men who are not trained to battle and know how to blow the shofar correctly, the troops will not answer it and slaughter will be their reward rather than victory. 
So the uncertain sound is referring to ministers of the gospel. When the sheep are confused, they're easy to slaughter. Right now in the body of Christ, we have multitudes of people who don't know their left from their right, who have no idea that they're being sold a, a gospel which has lost its demonstrative power, it's lost its ability to raise the dead, it has been a corrupt gospel and it no longer sets the captive free, let alone does it encourage those who have found salvation. It's no longer clear what's God and what isn't. You're fortunate to find a place like this. There's nowhere else in this city I would go. Next verse, verse 8, verse 10. Verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. This is how the Holy Spirit gave me direction here with the, referring back to uh, Eli and Samuel. Samuel heard the right voice. Eli, see, this is good. Thank you. Eli represented the authority. Samuel was still a child. But Samuel, he had the authority of God, but he couldn't do anything because he didn't have the authority. In the United States right now, the denominations have the authority. The voice of God is being heard by the minority. Are you out there? You have the authority of God in this house. Do you know that? It's been a struggle, not because God doesn't want you to have this building paid for, because I want to see that. I'm praying for that, that you'll have a freehold building. And I'm praying for it because God wants it. Well, why haven't you added if God wants it? Because there are others here that resist you who have the authority in this city to stop it. You have the authority to make it happen. They have the authority to legally hinder it. Are you listening? If God was able, through the prayers of the saints, and he is able to do anything. I'm not saying he's not, so don't be legal with me. What I'm trying to tell you is, when the transference of power comes, and it will, when those who have the power and the authority of God are put in the positions of legal authority, you won't be able to stop the influx of what God can do in this city. In the United States right now, denominationalism has the authority to do what they want to do, but God has the authority in those smaller churches and that's where God is operating. But that is going to change. And i tell you why I built a house. It, this is awesome to me that man of God here, I'm not buttering you up, I'm just telling you the truth. He, he bought a house far bigger than what he needs right now. Amen? I mean, it, you could probably fill it up if you, if you put the other place out and all the rest of it and he does advertising. But the house I've got now in Atlanta, it will seat 1,200 people. This will probably seat a lot more. And, and I know, for the most part, my balcony is not full. But when I started to build it, the builder came to me and said, uh, Robin, you, you don't really need this top balcony, and it's going to cost you $68,000 more in steel to build it. And I was, I was struggling. I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I went into prayer about it, and, you know, I came back and I said, no, to heck with it. I already planned to build I was a builder by trade. I'm going to build that balcony. And I said to the congregation, I need to know you're with me. Well, do we need it, Pastor? I said, not now, but we will. And they said, well, why do you think you will? On the scripture, I'm going to read in just a minute. Because I said, the time will come. When the time comes, those churches that currently are sucking up all the people with their ignorance, those people are going to wake up because the Spirit of God is going to blow the trump. And then one day they're going to wake up and say, where do we go? Where do we go? I said, you're going to go in London. I'll tell you where you're going to go. You're going to go to CFT, man. And you're going to fill this joint up three times a week because it'll be the only place that they're going to go to get the truth. And the same thing's going to happen to IGO and Smyrna. Because right now there's, I'll tell you, the truth, this is a true statistic. Am I late now? Am I supposed to stop? 
I don't even know what time it is. But within a, I sent invitations out for a seminar, right? Man of God, a hunt, there's 132 churches within a 10-mile radius of IGO, right? And we sent invitations, video invitations, by hand to every single pastor. They're all denominations. Praise God. And I was excited to receive the invitations back. Not one. Zip. When I asked them why, they said, we're too busy. I said, really? I'm having some great men of God here, and I don't want your people. And I'm talking about churches with 30 people in them, 50 people in them, 10 people in them. I said, I'm not here to take your 10 people. I'm trying to shake hands with my brothers and sisters. I want to make a footprint in this city. And by the way, the mayor is saved, and he's my friend, and he's a friend of the Lord. I want to come up and introduce you so that you can have a, a, a more of an access. Not one of them would come. And I thought to myself, this is great. So now I find myself a solo owner. And I went home and I was very discouraged until the Lord said, you need, at, least, at least you need to realize what I'm up against. <laughs> eh? Because they're not there to serve the Lord. They're there to build a business for themselves. Now, I don't mean to be judgmental or critical, but see... My whole point there was to try to establish something that God could use. Now here I am, after building that building, 12, 13 years ago now. Seems like yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, God is faithful and the building is paid off. Absolutely freehold. We don't owe a dime on it. This is the destiny of God for this house also. Because once that labor, once that, that, that burden is off your back, the cars are paid for, the ministry's paid for, the building's paid for. And I was sharing with the man of God, the next thing that happens is God begins to draw commercial people in to pay you for the privilege of using a portion of your property. And it has a twofold effect. Number one, it brings extra income in. And number two, it gets people to realize that you're really not just a bunch of tongue-talking wackos that, that have a building. You really are regular people that go to work, that have children, you know, that pray and have a walk with God. And eventually some of these people, as we have already, the senior uh, director of this company is now part of our ministry. So I want to encourage you in following the dreams and the visions of your man of God because he's on track. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Uh, I'll step down anytime you're ready, okay, because we haven't got to where I want to get yet. All right. So if we understand the, the, the influx of the political into the church, you should understand what's going on now. Now, I want to look now, if you don't mind, uh, with you at a couple of examples of people hearing God and then we go to a scripture and I want to pray with you. A couple of examples I came up with. Let's look at Adam to give an example of hearing God in the last days. Right in the Garden of Eden, Adam heard God, didn't he? Amen? As soon as things begin to go well for God, the enemy turned against Adam by going through his wife. And I'm not going to get into issues there with, you know, the devil using women against, against God's purposes. But the reality here was that Adam, instead of continuing to listen to the voice of God, listened to the voice of his wife. And when we, and I know this gets people a little cranky, but the reality is right now in these last days, the devil is going to come against women very hard. And because of their ability to lean against their husbands and influence their husbands emotionally, uh, there's going to be issues there. There's a reason why people are raising up uh, Clinton's wife in the United States. 
there's a reason why the scriptures say in the last days the women are going to rule over the men and the children are going to lead the men, all these kinds of stuff. Because in America right now, the women are becoming masculine and the men are becoming feminine. Now, again, you're laughing, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to expose satanic inferences to you. One of the greatest, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest uh, attributes that our women in God have is their ability to stabilize their husbands and to nurture and, and bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And the stabilizing emotionally of hus- husbands who are logistically doing their best is without value. I know this because of ministries that wouldn't have made it if it had not been for the stabilizing factor of their wives and the ability of godly women to be able to bring peace into their husbands' hearts. And I think it's awesome. But in the same way as the enemy used Eve against her husband, the issues that came out of that because her husband didn't stand his ground are paramountly obvious. Another couple of examples for you. Moses. Moses, it took him another 40 years because he didn't take to heart what God had told him in the first place. We already discussed that. Look at Saul. Saul, initially, on his road to Damascus, came into his time of ministry. Again, timing is very important. That's why I'm telling you this coming Sunday is going to be a time for release for many of you. I'm just trying to get your ideas off the fact that the trumpet and the, and the confusion that's brought in because of so many voices is a factor for many people right now, and they've lost their way, they've lost their passion, they've lost their clarity of purpose. So it's important for you to know that this time now is, is set aside by God to remove that, the voice of confusion, the enemy speaking to you about just quitting, giving up, or wondering what your mighty, mighty ministry is going to be. God is sovereignly and supernaturally, as he did in the life of Saul, give you a chance to get it back again. You may have to get knocked off your voice. You may have to stagger around blind for a while. But God is going to raise up as God did for Saul and Ananias, it's going to bring you together and God is going to speak to the man of God or speak to a friend and say, I want you to bring them into your fold. And you may have to say to somebody, well, I don't really know if I can bring that person into my house. I thought they were called of God, but look at the way they went off the track. And then God may have to speak to you and say, don't worry, they went off the track, but he is a man called unto me. My hand is upon him. I've got a plan for his life. And I want you to pray for him, lay hands on him. And if you'll do that for me in obedience to my voice, there's another servant's going to be raised up. And because Ananias did so, the scales fell from his eyes. And then God said, now I want you to tell him what great price he has to pay for me. Because along with the calling comes a problem. Amen? So right now I'm trying to tell you, for many of you who think your problem is all of the devil, it may have been, but God is greater than the devil. Didn't Jesus say, fear not, you may have tribulation, but I have overcome the world? Yes? Yes? You're a tough crowd, so please love me a lot. I need lots of loving. Amen? God right now is getting ready to do it. Either you'll agree with me and you'll take it, amen, or the man of God is the only one tomorrow on Sunday that's going to receive it. And I want you all to get it. There are a lot of people that are fledgling ministries in this house. There's some of you who have lost the seek, desire to seek. If you like the desire to seek, then you won't find. Amen. How many of you just by showing your hands believe that God has something uniquely that's not necessarily involved in five-fold ministry, but, but uniquely desired for your life that he wants to use you. Can I see your hands? All right. Now wave at me if, you lost, if you've lost some of your zeal for that, for that ministry. Honestly, wave at me. Quite a lot of you. And the rest of you not waving would like to wave on the inside. There's a whole lot of people right now. You know, I read a little testimony the other day and some people probably asked why. Uh, a little Russian guy that was in my church and when he came in I prophesied over him that God's called him into the pastorate. He got married shortly after that. I called him the tank. He's a little Russian, like a little stocky guy. And he wrote me back that ever since he, I've declared that over him, things have gone absolutely wrong for him. He lost his job. He got married. He, he got sick. His wife broke a leg. Awful. 
But I told him, maintain, maintain. And he stayed faithful. Now he's gotten two jobs. He's earning more money than he needs. His wife is pregnant with a son that I also prophesied over him. Everything's starting to go right for him. So I said, you know, it's the perseverance and the desire to make sure that even during those dark times when you're not hearing God, hold fast because God will surely show up. You may go to bed crying, but you'll come in the morning bearing your sheaves uh, and, and laughing at the same time. Why I'm saying that to you right now is now is a time and now is a season. All right? Now is the season. Do you believe that or don't you? All right. Good. I can prove it to you some of the time when I've got more time to do it. If we looked at Samuel, he had to be willing also to approach his, his Eli uh, and, and make sure that he made the break when he needed to and be willing to say what God told him to say. Final point. One more scripture and then I'm going to ask Apostle to come and take his platform back. When I was reading this, I came up with a thought. When Jesus reached the point in his ministry with one of his closest friends, the brother of Mary and Martha, Lazarus. When he came into town, you know the story, sisters came to him and said, Master, we know that you had a plan and a purpose for Lazarus. We continued to ask you and intercede with you and called you and begged you to come and pray for him while he was still sick. But he's dead. And now you waited so long, he's been, this is the fourth day that he's been in the ground and he stinks. You remember the story, don't you? When Jesus came to me, he said, don't worry. I'm glad for your sake that I waited. And the story goes that as Jesus came down there, they said, please, Master, don't go down to the grave because by this time, He's putrefied. Jesus said, roll away the stone and spoke these words. Lazarus, come forth. And the story reads and reveals to us that his friend Lazarus and their brother came hopping out, wrapped in his clothes, in his, in his burial garments. When I read that, I leapt in my spirit because I realized that God had not yet finished with this young man, Lazarus. And even though he was dead and putrefying, if the, if the story of his ministry and his life had not yet come to an end according to God's say-so, the words of the Lord to come back to life brought him back from the dead. How much more can the living God's voice bring back to life those who are not yet dead physically? Now, one more voice. I'm glad you're excited about that. People say, does it really matter if people respond? I couldn't care less for me. But I've discovered God responds to demonstrative people. I, as a personality type, am a D personality, so I'm very serious about things. But I have discovered that God loves it when people go a little crazy where their relationship with him is concerned. You may be dealing with a background or a history or whatever you want to say, that is somewhat subdued. Well, if David, the king of Israel, can dance around in his underwear, then I think some of us can get to the point where we can lift up our hands sometimes and maybe say, Jesus, I'm excited about what you're getting ready to do on planet Earth. And I'm excited that I believe that there is a destiny waiting for me that all I need to do is want it and expect it. And on this coming Lord's Day, if I can prepare my heart according to what the man of God just said, you will pour out your spirit upon me because it's being poured out on all flesh, so why not me? And I will prophesy 
and the older dudes will dream dreams. And in these last days, I have something very special to do, and it will set me up for eternity's purposes. Can you say amen? I said, can you say amen? All right, one last scripture, and I'm going to quit. I want you to look up Isaiah chapter 30 and verses 20 and 21. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 20 and 21. And I'd like, if you wouldn't mind, all to say it together. And that will bless me. It will bless the Spirit of God. And I'm sure that it will bless your apostle. Is it on the screen? Hallelujah. Can you read it with me? All together, let's do it again. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. Hallelujah. Next verse. And thine ears shall hear a word. Say that again for me. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, shout it loud, this is the way, walk ye in it. And when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left, wherever you go, you will hear the word of the Lord and that instruction will set you free. And those who have been raised up the Lord to teach you in these last days will no longer be hidden. They'll come out of the corner and out of their hiding places and the Lord will reveal them to you and salvation will find its way into every corner of this earth. And then, according to the word of the Lord, he shall return unto his church. God bless you, CFT, and thank you for having me here tonight. It's all yours, man of God. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent his son Jesus Christ and by him, anyone who believes in him carry the very authority of God which, with which he created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you, stop going around to people, kneel down where you are, talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil. Hear the voice of God. Receive life-changing teaching. Be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly victory nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral, Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.
Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open.